Strong Enough merch is now available. Go to strongenoughpod.com and see all the things that you can get to show your strong enough pride, as well as remind people and yourself that you are strong enough and you are worth it. Welcome to the Strong Enough Podcast, where we talk about the challenges and celebrate the triumphs of people just like you. I'm your host, Claudia. Today's guest is going to share how a difficult time in her and her husband's relationship actually allowed them to grow stronger and now they help other couples do the same. She's also going to share communication tips that will help you out in any situation. Please help me welcome Christine Earthheart. Christine, how are you doing today? So good. So grateful to be here with you. I am also grateful because from the moment that you stepped onto my screen, you have just been a wonderful, positive, energetic force. So I'm really excited to chat with you, and I would love it if you would share a little about yourself with the audience. Yeah, thanks so much. So wonderful to get to connect with you. So yeah, well, I... So we're going to be talking about relationships. I guess I can share a little bit about that journey. So my husband, Brett, and I have been together over 20 years. And we, you know, got together. We both have been doing lots of personal growth. So I'm someone who is passionate and really in awe of the human capacity for healing and transformation and growth and from my own healing journey. Um, And so we both had really been on kind of a personal spiritual development journey when we met. And so the beginning of our relationship was sort of a homecoming. Uh, I felt seen in a way I never had before. And, you know, we gave each other our best. We saw each other's best. We had these like very mystical moments. And yet that was not enough for a few years later, suddenly life gets real. We own a home together. We're co-parenting our young son and we realize we have different perspectives on parenting. We have different ways of managing finances. You know, I like the house cleaner than he does. Like our personalities that, you know, actually first drew us to each other suddenly became a source of conflict in moments. And so we really got to a place in our own relationship where we realized it was no longer bringing out our best. And we really wondered, are our differences just too great? Are we just not meant to be? And so we really got to a point of um, becoming so, so close to ending our relationship. And on a night I'll never forget on that couch, we decided we could either, you know, really just think that we had kind of graduated and bless each other on our separate paths or dive in and learn everything we could about relationships. And that night completely changed my life. Uh, We dove deep into studying relationships because it is a unique skill set that most of us don't um, learn anywhere about how to communicate effectively, how to navigate differences, how to heal and repair from conflict, how to really have this compelling vision that's moving us forward, how to create secure attachment, how to create a healing relationship where our wounds, rather than just getting triggered, actually come to our relationship for deep healing. Um, so many things. So we like learned this roadmap, totally changed our lives. Our relationship was better than we ever, ever, ever could have imagined it being. And then we really felt this responsibility to share this with the world because we saw so many couples who were struggling unnecessarily. We tend to enter into partnership because we want life on some level to be easier and more enjoyable. And it ends up for so many people being a source of 
frustration, of deep pain, of fear, of uh, like knowing that I love this person, but why can't we make it work? Or something is so important to me and I try to talk about it and then I feel even worse afterwards and even more unappreciated and misunderstood. So you're seeing this happen all the time to people who are so good intended, so kind, loving, successful in other life areas. Uh, and so we both had been doing kind of energy healing, somatic work, coaching, um, counseling with people, with individuals. And we found that we would like start just inviting their partner to join them for a session. And we're like, oh my gosh, relationships are so powerful because they bring everything to the surface. Um, any part of us that needs healing, that isn't particularly conscious, um, any part of us that's scared, any of our old wounds, any of our dreams that we're not experiencing, everything um, comes to the surface where it can either be a source of great pain or a source of like awakening and healing. And so then we just fell in love with serving couples and started the Center for Thriving Relationships um, over 10 years ago. And then our practice grew. Now we have um, over 13 different other practitioners on our team. And we now, our focus is really training others who want to support couples um, and knowing exactly how to facilitate these amazing breakthroughs for couples to experience the kind of love they've always wanted. So now we have a coach certification program and it's just the, the greatest gift. Every day you wake up, there's like truly nothing I'd rather do. Even like a day, usually it's like my birthday or something. I'm like, I could do anything today. It's like exactly what I want to do because I just find it so deeply fulfilling. And I'm just kind of in awe of um, what becomes, what opens up when people are willing to really dive in and do the work. So, um, so relationships have become a huge focus of my life. So that's that realm of my life. I love that not only is now your relationship thriving, but your relationship center is thriving as well. So that's got to be exciting that you took something that was a personal struggle together and figured it out and decided to help others because relationships are hard. And a lot of us, it's like, I can do this for myself, but I can't do it for anybody else because it's too much work. So what led you guys to say, you know, we do see other couples struggling and we want to spend our days helping them be better together? Yeah, yeah. Well, it really was, I mean, our own transformation uh, that was really, truly, we both had been in nonprofit work and like our kind of activists of the human heart and spirit, like at our core. And we were always like, oh, I just want to help people. And we just found, you know, like Brett, when I met him, he was like traveling all over the world doing human rights activism. And now he's, I guess, and I'll check in with him, like, when you tune into like, how is, how can I serve the world the very, very best of all? Um, like, is it still this? He's like, it's just like relationships are everything. We are so, I mean, there's so many ways, of course we can serve the world. And for us, we just feel like this life is such a gift. And um, we just, in our kind of morning meditations, that's just continually our question. Like, how can I use this gift of life to best love and serve the world? And it's just undeniable. I think after we realized like we were on the brink of separating and it, if I, when I, really, really tune into it. I mean, it can just bring me to tears to think of what we would have unknowingly missed out on. I mean, I had no idea. Like if I just took a freeze frame of that moment in time and thought it reflected the totality of who we were capable of being together, it was just, it was just, it was one little glimpse into like, a tiny bit of like who we really could be. And so it was that. And then we just started learning all the research and the science. And I, I just became so enamored with it. And then I love creating systems and worksheets and handouts and tools and methodologies. That's like my passion. And I, and so we really created this entire system. And so, um, yeah, again, we were, had been doing individual work and it was like, whoa, and we'd invite people's partner in 
we just felt like we could serve them so much more because their patterns becomes became so apparent. And then uh, serving an individual is so lovely. And a relationship is like a living, breathing thing. So like the transformation was happening when they were suddenly responding to each other in the way that they had been longing for all along, but didn't know how to give each other to witness that happening. Um, it's just like such a beautiful thing. Well, and people's relationships affect every other aspect of their lives you know if you're if you're having a a a bad day at home you know whether you got in a fight with your spouse or your partner or whatever well then you generally take that to work with you and then you go gossip with your friends or you know complain to them so for you and brett to do this work together do you feel like you two your strengths complement each other? Like, is he also a system person or did you kind of take what, what you really like and what you're good at? And then he took his and it blended into this beautiful marriage of skills and strengths. Yeah, that, the, the latter for sure. So yes. And you're so right about relationships. It really, um, the kind of longest longitudinal study on happiness that has been done that you might be aware of, like in looking at what are the different factors that contribute to our overall life happiness or fulfillment, we could have like all these, like a certain social status or what our house looks like or our health or so many other things, our attractiveness. Um, and someone could be miserable, but they're the quality of people's most intimate relationships. It's like the number one predictor of how happy we are. So, um, so it's, yeah, it's so important to all of us. So I'd say with Brett and I, it was a learning curve, uh, of like how to co-create together. Like it was such a calling and, are these are some of the things that we figured out kind of in our earlier days because I do tend to like love systems and I tend to be more of a planner like I actually love planning things it's like really thrilling for me it's just the way I naturally go and he's so much more flow and it's like oh it'll all work out and let's just be spontaneous and doing it last minute and so I fell in love with that when we first came together, right? I'm like, he's the most easygoing, accepting, embracing person. Like it was just healing. It was grounding and nourishing. And then fast forward a few years and suddenly it became a source of conflict and stress between the two of us because we'd have a plan and I'd want to plan it and he'd want to go with the flow. And so now it's been so neat to see us well, I think primarily just really honor each other and be differentiated and not try to have each other be different. But we've also definitely become more like each other, you know, over time. Like now I feel this deep trust in the flow of the universe. And um, I think that I like my, I'm such a free spirit really at my core. And I think he's allowed me just to relax and let go and trust so much more. Uh, And so we've met certainly more in the middle in getting curious and, and open to, Um, accepting influence from one another. And we've just, we've completely oriented our business around being strengths-based because he's, he could just see clients for 10 hours straight and he just gets in the flow. Whereas I like see clients, I'm like ready to do something else. And then, so we've just really, our whole life that has been one of the, the top things we've done as a couple is like, okay, what are the things that you know, light us up the most that we feel like we are just connected to what we came to this world to do and we're in our element um, and not try to keep making, wanting each other to be something different because we tried that and that did not go very well. <laughs> no, that makes perfect sense. And it's it's great that you guys 
utilize one another. And not only that, but you have allowed each other to kind of blend into your own comfort. And now you're a little freer and, you know, probably let loose a little bit more. And maybe he writes a list every now and then. So I think that's great. Do you feel like every relationship, and we're not talking about abusive situations of any sort, but other than that, can every relationship be saved and corrected? Mm, Such a good question. So I would say, I mean, a, a blanket statement, not necessarily. So when people come to our office and they will kind of share with us like, okay, here's what's going on. Um, and so it could be anything. It could be that they're just like tired of having that same argument for the 200th time, or they're just having a hard time communicating. They feel like they're in totally different pages and they're trying to like reach resolution around something very particular, or they feel like they've grown apart or they've lost the spark or they're healing from infidelity or betrayal, um, so many different things. And so it doesn't even really matter though what it is or the normity of the challenge. Like that is not what determines whether or not a relationship can be saved what determines it is like how committed are they to the process and how willing are they um, to really see things in new ways and to grow. So if someone has, you know, this this great magnitude of difficulty that they've endured in their relationship and it's met with this really high commitment to growth and doing their own inner work and just committing to the relationship and approaching things in a new way, like, oh my goodness, it feels like the sky is the limit. Like there's infinite possibilities. Like we will, we will show wholeheartedly to support them. And there are so many tools, so many resources. It is extraordinary what's available. And some could have just like a relatively small, I mean, seemingly small kind of challenge in their relationship. And if someone is just so entrenched in their position, if they're like, well, love me as I am, or just leave. Uh, if they're just kind of unwilling to um, hear their partner, if they're just going to be invalidating or just continually defensive, uh, the number one predictor of divorce is an unwillingness to accept influence from your partner. So that would be like our partner saying like, this is so, so, so important to me. We're just like, no, no, we're just kind of denying that, um, that there's just not much wiggle room. And so that, so, so if a couple of two people want to save the relationship and they are like committed to the process and they have a growth mindset, like, oh, that's the best. It's so exciting. Um, but yeah, if only one person is committed and the other person is just kind of, then in the process, they might become more and more committed. Um, and if one person just really, they're like not willing to grow or neither person is, then, you know, they might find that it's just, it's going to be very limited what they can experience together. But usually we suggest to people like, let's just, if you can just give us a three month commitment ish, it's not like set in stone, um, but that's sometimes easier if they don't know if they want to stay together or not. It's like, let's just try for three months to dive in, see what's available. So you are at least making that decision based off on, based off of who you really can be together rather than just what could be a temporary moment of disconnect and conflict. You talked about an unwillingness to allow your partner to influence. How do you balance that with setting healthy boundaries? Totally. It, yes. It's such a good question. And it's such a both and. Uh, because, right, we, if we were just continually, you know, appeasing every request of our partners, then we might feel like I've just become a conglomeration of who you want me to be and I no longer am myself. And so it's really keeping this beautiful balance of the two of being really, really true to ourselves. Because if that's not sustainable, if we feel like, you know, we just keep, oh, you know, like 
appeasing our partner, we're going to end up stepping back from the relationship, either physically or emotionally. We'll create distance just so we can stay connected to ourselves or we'll really suffer. Our mental health will suffer because we feel like we've abandoned ourselves in the process. Um, So that's not the way to go. Um, So I'd say it's really just getting open. It's amazing the power of empathy and curiosity. So I'd say the first base level is that we'll at least hear each other. We'll hear each other's concerns, feelings, requests, dreams, and learn to communicate in a new way. Because sometimes we might even think that we want something in a relationship and it feels so big and it feels insurmountable between us, but really it's because we never feel heard. We never feel understood or validated or seen. So we keep getting louder and louder and we think we want it even more than we do. And so sometimes, you know, we'll be working with a couple and suddenly they able, they're able to really hear each other in their space just to have their different wants and needs. And just like, the moment there's space for it, they're like, oh, well, it's no big deal. We can kind of want these different things. So um, fortunately, it's amazing what becomes like possible for a couple, even when they want different things, as long as there's space for both of them to want different things. So I would say I'm just really keeping that balance because in you know, a common thing that happened in relationships is the one person that's more vocal, they have no problem. So you probably in in a couple's dynamic, each of you probably have an area to grow in. One partner might have the area of growth is to be more true to themselves, like to actually speak your needs, your feelings more, maybe make more requests, um, get more in tune with like what you're really longing for and have more boundaries. If your partner has all these opinions about what you say and do, you know, it's starting to create those sort of boundaries so that we are differentiated. That's really, really important because over time in relationships, we can become enmeshed, which is basically, I forget, I kind of lose sight of where I end and you begin. So I suddenly just have opinions about everything you do. And I've requested about everything you do. And you're not doing that right. And you could do that better. And that's exhausting. And so a partner that has a really easy time making requests, um, your invitation is probably to learn more about how to accept influence from them and get more invested in their needs um, and and honor their boundaries more, like let them be uniquely them. So it kind of depends. There's probably a chance that your relationship needs more of one or the other from you, more of those kind of boundaries, more of a willingness to accept influence. So it's just tuning into what that is for each person. You mentioned the importance to be heard. And we know that communication is a big struggle for a whole lot of people. So will you talk a little bit about the keys to effective and productive positive communication? You got it. Yes. So many challenges in relationships. We end up never even getting to talk about the the challenge itself because then the argument is about the argument itself. Like, you're not even listening to me. You always do that. Like, I said this. No, I said this. That's what happened. No, this is what happened. So, you know, many of us have been there. That's like exhausting and it's so painful. Uh, And so commonly, just to name kind of what commonly happens is it becomes two monologues. And so if you ever had this experience, anyone tuning in where it's like, Rather than being a dialogue, it's two monologues where, you know, the other person is talking and you're in your head, getting defensive, thinking about what you're going to say next, analyzing them, thinking about how you're right and they're wrong, or just having your own listening filters. Of maybe it's even, you know, I'm listening for what I did wrong. Um, so we listen for different things instead of listening to like what they're actually saying. So number one thing is like learning how to actually hear each other. So we sort of consider um, listening almost like our admission ticket into their heart. And so if you just 
were to imagine that you're having maybe a more emotionally charged conversation or even just a neutral conversation with someone, like rather than they share something and you just jump in with your feedback, like they share something, oh, I want to pause and be so, get out of my own head and drop into your heart and get so passionately curious about what that is like for you. Do some reflecting back, like, wow, it sounds like that was really tough when something happened. Oh, I imagine that was really scary. Or, oh, that must have been so exciting. Like really take a moment to step into their world, be there with them in it. Um, Then people's hearts open. I mean, physiologically, we tend to unconsciously like see this person like, oh, you're with me in this. Okay. You are my ally. I can soften my defenses. I can truly open my heart. My nervous system relaxes. And so then they've like granted us permission into their heart. And then once we're there and we're in a space of like being aligned, we're on the same team, then maybe I could share something about my own life and have them hear me or, you know, share something if it's in a, in a area that you're wanting to create resolution around. Like first, let me really deeply hear you. Let me kind of share my piece. So listening, so key. So listening, I would say it really infusing your listening with empathy and appreciation with validation. Um, And in relationships, there's space for everyone's feelings. Um, It's like that there's a common saying, like, do I want to be right or do I want to be happy and connected? Uh, And so rather than thinking, you know, that validating them or empathizing with them means they're right and I'm wrong. Like relationships are so far beyond any of that. And there is space for all of our feelings. Uh, And it's so liberating not trying to make any of that wrong. And just like, oh, I get that. That makes sense. So those are three magic words. Like that makes sense because we all make sense. Every every human on the planet, if we were to like be brave enough to drop into each other's worlds and hearts, we would get that we really all make sense based on our own perspective and entire life experience. So that's so, so key. Um, and then when we share, you know, rather than blame rather than criticism. You know, it's really owning our own experience. It's really easy when we have big feelings in relationships to make our partner wrong in some way. Like you frustrate me, you hurt me, you make me so mad. Um, I'm so disappointed in you. Instead of just like being with our feelings, like, oh, that happened. And I'm just noticing that I feel like anger. I feel scared around that. I feel frustrated. So um, that would be a thing. Also realizing that we're so often scared um, in relationships and we don't even realize that we sort of wear these emotional jackets. So we might think that we're disappointed, that we're frustrated, that we're angry, that we're um, anxious. Well, I guess anxious would be similar to scary, but really underneath it, um, our partner tends to impact us more than anybody else in our lives. And so the things that they do or don't do um, can really be perceived as a threat to, you know, to whether or not we get our needs fulfilled. So if our friend just came home late from work and they missed dinner with their family, we'd probably be like, oh, you worked so hard today. It's no big deal. You deserve just to kick your feet up and relax. But if our partner comes home late from work, you know, we might greet them at the door, you know, upset with them, annoy them, ignore them when they walk in. Cause like, how could you be so inconsiderate? Uh, and so it's, it's uncovering our, our most vulnerable feelings, our most vulnerable fears. So it could be realizing like, oh, I'm scared I don't matter to you. I'm scared we're going to lose touch with each other if we don't spend this valuable time. I'm afraid that you don't appreciate the time I put into preparing this meal. So um, so I, I'd say connected to that is like looking at what's underneath it and the more vulnerability breeds empathy. So the more when we're sharing, we can just share from our hearts um, the kind of indisputable truth uh, because if we're talking about the facts of like, you did this or no, I didn't do that. That's arguable. But if we can share about our most intimate, vulnerable feelings, 
that's unarguable and there could be space for all of that. So there's so much I could say, but those are some things. And and just seeing our partner's best intentions, I think that's so important. We want to disable each other's defenses. So seeing each other for our strengths, our good intentions, um, the things we also appreciate. So, so, so important. You mentioned the V word, and that's a tough one for a lot of people. Vulnerability is so difficult because they've been through circumstances, whether with that individual or with a different individual, and have built up walls and created the little moat around them of protection. And so it's really hard for them to open up. What advice do you give to people to help them learn how to do that so that they can allow that other person into their heart? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's such a good question. Just loads of compassion to anybody who's experiencing that. It's such a real thing. And it's such a natural, of course, physiological response of your brilliant body, heart, mind, like protecting you. So of course we do that. Um, so I would share a few things that could be helpful. It could be beginning with the body. Um, so even beginning to identify our feelings in a way that uh, might even be hard to access. And so like taking little micro moves towards vulnerability is when we're just having a conversation, even sharing things outside the relationship and like, oh, like, what do you feel in your body? Like, oh, I feel tension in my belly or in my chest, like beginning just to share um, on that level, kind of what's happening. And again, talking about things that are outside the relationship sometimes can be a little bit safer. Um, we also have clients sometimes they'll, they will go into a conversation with commitments. And so like really creating a safe space, a really safe container for having those conversations just to set yourselves up for success too, is that both of you are like, oh, right, I commit to really seeing you as my ally, as my teammate to holding what you share as sacred or making it so safe that all of your feelings are welcome here to not making you wrong, to not using this against you. So I think it can be different for each couple. It's like a, a tool we share with couples, one that we've made, but really it could be unique to any couple. And so it would basically be like, what are your deep fears? Um, that's how we, how this is how that, that tool was born out of our practice is like hearing from couples. Well, I'm really afraid if I share this with you, when we go home, you're going to use it against me. You know, or I'm afraid if I share this with you, you aren't going to love me anymore. You're going to find out that there's something really unlovable, you know, about me or that um, you're going to leave and the secret will get out. I mean, so many that you're going to leave me if I share this with you. Like it brings up so many fears. And so it's just finding what's the antidote, like what is the assurance we need and turning those into commitments and just going in like, okay, let's just both agree. We're going to have this conversation. Here's what I really commit to. And it could just be a few things that are kind of your go-to. Um, but I think coming up with those in a relationship can be really, really helpful. And I just think in general, it, the, the paradigm of a healing relationship, the nature of it is that we recognize that our greatest wounding happened in relationships, uh, which can make love and connection and bonding. The very things that are going to be required for us to have a great relationship can be the most terrifying. And the very things we didn't get when we opened our hearts to somebody else, it wasn't met with healing, with love, with connection. It was met with trauma, with I mean, all sorts of horrific things or just betrayal or so many things. Uh, and so we need to really commit to having a healing relationship where we um, are both willing to kind of share those raw spots, those tender areas, 
that we've brought into the relationship with us and that we we choose to create a relationship where we really go above and beyond to be a source of healing for one another. So if I know that you, just for example, were raised by very critical parents, when I'm critical, you probably really feel it and you, you instantly spiral into I can never be enough. And so I want to go above and beyond to be a source of love and encouragement and acceptance. Or you're with, you know, or your parents you know, left and, and just left. Your dad just left when you were three and you never heard from again. So when I just don't text you when I'm out with my friends, of course you will react disproportionately to that. And rather than me getting defensive and judging you as being controlling for that, I get to step in and really rise to the occasion and realize like, oh, I want to go above and beyond to give you assurance and security. And that is not unhealthy. That is like secure attachment. And that's us really, we want to be responsible for our own healing and the nature of like a healthy interdependent relationship is that we also get to be a source of healing for one another. One of the things that I see people do sometimes when it comes to vulnerability, and I think this is an error. So I want to get your opinion on it. I call it the one upper. So somebody shares with you and whether that's your partner, a friend, and, you know, they, they open up, they're vulnerable, they share something. And as a way to act or to show empathy, the other person pulls the one up. Oh, I'm, you know what? I'm so sorry you went through that. I went through insert trauma here. And I feel like now that other person feels dismissed, you know, their trauma wasn't good enough or, you know, whatever the circumstance may be. Do you agree with that? And if so, what would you recommend people do when they have that moment? Because in their mind, they are trying to help because they're trying to show they understand. So what should they do instead of that? Yeah, that is, it's such an important thing and such an innocent thing that people do. I mean, just like you were saying it so often people want to relate. They want to be in solidarity and let you know, like, I get it. I get it so much that I actually had this other experience that was really awful too. So just want to say that so often, just like the most benevolent of intentions and you are so right that it ends up then taking all of the energy off of the one person, that mo- that like moment that could be one of healing and for them where they're longing to be heard and witnessed. Now they're like, oh, okay, now the attention is on you. And so, um, yes, that's one of the like, oops, empathy gone wrong. You know, like empathy meant well and empathy gone wrong because it doesn't tend to be medicinal then. When we do that, it's like, oh, it's kind of deflating so often. Uh, and so instead of that, yeah, I mean, it's, it is... It's such a common thing for coaches, you know, like, so we train relationship coaches and it's something where we are perpetually kind of reminding them of because, you know, we'll hear our clients even talk about things and inside it's like, oh my gosh, I get that so much. Um, But rather than saying that and then the session will become about us and the same is true as for relationships is like use that information uh, because that is actually really valuable. Like, whoa, I do get it. So just notice like, I do get it. And I want to use that to like drop even deeper, like, Oh, I I get that. I bet that is so deeply terrifying, sad, painful. Um, like like let that like of course that's happening. And as you're speaking it to them, let that like let that also echo and reverberate throughout your own being, um, without having to share your own story. And also we another kind of easy thing it's to fall into is assuming that somebody else's experience was just like ours. And so I also find that 
when we instantly relate it back to our story, we miss out on like really hearing what it was uniquely like for them. So also just not assuming that it's exactly the same. And so like, okay, I kind of get that. Let me, given I have actually a little bit of an emotional baseline for that, I can be really skilled at having empathy for them. So I want to really hear them. And they'll probably be like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what it was like. Thank you so much. And just allow, I mean, that's like such a beautiful healing moment. And then ask them more about what it was like for them. And you're probably going to hear like even more, maybe that was different than your experience. That could end up being healing for you to witness yourself outside yourself, you know? And so, um, but yes, and it's not a never, because sometimes like I'll even have this with friends. I'll be sharing about something you know, like we were just sharing about like podcasting, some of the unique things we navigate as being podcast hosts, right? And it's like, it's actually really validating hearing different people's experiences. So it's not like never share your experience because sometimes I'll be hanging out with a friend, I'll share about something in my life and like, do you ever have that experience? And when they share, it's like, oh my gosh, it feels so comforting and uh, I feel like I'm not alone in it. So it's just even asking permission, like giving them lots of empathy and then saying like, oh, you know, I actually had a similar experience. Would it be helpful to hear about it? Um, so just asking permission. Then it's like after, it's like empathy first, first fully, fully, fully hear them go all in on hearing them before just bouncing it back to us. What are some warning signs that couples can look for so that they can reach out to people like you and Brett at a good time, kind of before things have devolved to such a point that it might be impossible or virtually impossible to recover. Yes, yeah. So some warning signs. Um, you know, it could be contempt is certainly one to look at. So contempt would be it's almost like, a mix of like anger and disgust. So it could be like eye rolling, mimicking what each other says, like resentment. Uh, things have really built up. So um, the we called a love account, but Dr. John Gottman, um, who's one of the foremost kind of leading researchers in the world of relationships, he calls about the emotional bank account. Uh, but this idea that every relationship has one and we're always putting deposits in or taking out withdrawals. There are very few neutral experiences. And so over time, if we're just taking out way more withdrawals than we're putting in deposits, so deposits would be like you know, like words of affection or when you're passing your partner, just give them a little back rub or a little peck on the cheek, spending quality time together, doing thoughtful things, sending each other a sweet text message. Um, like, oh, I was at the store and I picked you up your favorite piece of fruit or anything. Those things we tend to do in dating that fall away for a lot of couples over time. And so we think it's efficient. Well, I'm just going to point right out to you. Like, I'm going to walk home and walk in the door and just point out to you what you didn't get right rather than like all these other things about your day that you did really well. Um, and in the busyness of life, we think that's efficient. But what happens is we end up just taking out so many withdrawals and uh, we are running on empty. And when we're running on empty, um, it's like a small thing becomes a big thing. So if you find that your partner, um, like they just do something very small and you just see it for its worst. Um, really easy to do. So maybe they just like left the door cracked and you're like, you always do that. You just find that you're annoyed with that rather than when, if your love account is high, you're like, oh, sweetheart, no big deal. Um, I know you were just rushing out the door, but I just wanted to let you know, no big deal. I got it. Have a great day. Like we just easily give each other the benefit of the doubt. But when that is low, we are writing bad checks. We do not give each other the benefit of the doubt. We just feel like we're nitpicking at things. We just have resentment, maybe a bit of bitterness. Um, we feel really disconnected from one another. We feel disconnected from ourselves. So often that's an experience people have is like, gosh, I don't even recognize myself anymore in this relationship. Uh, and so those would certainly be 
signs. It's one one um, phrase that Dr. John Gottman found in his research is what's called a negative sentiment override. And that's like when it's gone on long enough that we begin to interpret the majority of what our partner says and does negatively. Um, and so once you've gotten there, it can absolutely be healed. It can be turned around. Again, perhaps not for every couple, but if two people are like willing to grow and change and reprioritize your love, oh my gosh, it can be night and day. You might feel like you're miles apart. And we find with even one session, people suddenly have this resurgence of hope and renewal and a recommitment to one another and excitement about what's really possible for them. So, but definitely if those things are happening, it'd be a good time to reach out to get some support because it doesn't have to be like that. I love that. I love that. We are going to take a quick turn before I let you go. And we are going to talk about a topic that I'm going to guess you have never been asked about before on a podcast. And that is tattoos. And I I noticed earlier, and for those who can't see, Christine is in a a lovely sleeveless shirt showing off very toned shoulders. I'm jealous. Um, And you have no tattoos. Or I assumed that you had no tattoos. And that is accurate. I would love to know if you were going to get a tattoo. So all the traditional barriers are gone. So it's free. It's not going to hurt. You can snap your fingers and make it disappear when you'd like. What would you get and where would you put it? I love it. It's such a fun question. So it's something I haven't thought about. It's interesting. I had just, I mean, I'm all for body art and tattoos and I, there was nothing that had ever come to me like, oh, that's the thing. Except for years ago when Brett, Mayan, our son and I were traveling, we're like, gosh, it became very clear to me. Like I would totally get a tattoo as like a family, like the three of us together. Like, oh, I'd be all in if we just came up with something. And I'm sure you hear this a lot, like that people just don't know what they'd get it of. Uh, but that's something, yeah, I could just so see just like being connected. So um, and I haven't been entirely clear I where it would be, to be perfectly honest. I'd probably like sync it up with them, you know, in some way, but something like small and sweet, that's like a family bond between all of us, I think would be really, really beautiful. I'm always so touched by, um, you know, when people get ones with friends or loved ones and um, yeah, that, that would be the first thing I would do. I saw you glance down at your wrist. So I think maybe, maybe it would go there. What I really heard, though, out of all of that is there is a chance. There is a chance for a tattoo in your future. There is. There totally is. I can see it's like when we're like on a trip somewhere. And it's like marking that trip and that time we had and the three of us. So, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm excited. Any Anytime people who aren't tattooed, there's a chance that they might get one. <laughs> it makes me happy. It brings me joy. Christine, where can people find you? So if they want to talk to you and Brett about their relationship so that it can be better, if they want to talk to you about coaching, or if somebody wants to come on your next family vacation so they too can join you in the family (laughs) vacation tattoo, where can they find you? Thanks so much for asking. So we are the Center for Thriving Relationships. So you could probably type that in and we would come up. Otherwise, it's centerthrive.com. So C-E-N-T-E-R thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E.com, centerthrive.com. And you can find everything there about our 
coaching, counseling for couples, or we do weekend retreats that are just these amazing magical weekends. And then if you have any interest in becoming a relationship coach, you can learn more about our certification there. And we also hang out a lot over on Instagram. So um, you can find us at Center for Thriving Relationships over there. And we'd love to meet you, send us a little message. Um, we adore connecting with others. You have been an absolute joy today. I so appreciate your taking the time to talk a little bit about relationships and what people can do to make theirs stronger. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's been such an honor and delight. I'm so grateful. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media so you'll never miss what's going on. Remember, until next week, you are strong enough and you are worth it. Thank you for listening to the Strong Enough Podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform by searching Strong Enough. And on YouTube, we're on the Spear Talk channel. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Strong Enough Pod. If you have suggestions for an upcoming episode or a future guest, please reach out at strongenoughpod at gmail.com. Remember, you are worth it.